thank you so much for coming on today, Spencer. I've been a big fan for a long time. I think when I was going through university, um, not too long ago, actually, I always looked up to these these big people in design, you know, putting all this content out and you know, <laughs> trying to support the community. And I always thought, you know, one day maybe I could do something like that. And that's kind of like your your channel, but also um, other people around the world kind of inspired me to, you know, do something in the community as well. Um, and yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, you know, I started it a long time ago and kind of similar idea. I just wanted to give back to the, the design community, especially mm. having been a student and not really being able to connect with professionals. So uh, I, I just always love that part of what I do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I always find the most amazing thing about design is just how friendly people are. Like 99% of people you talk to are willing to come on and have a chat or even just in general, like they're just friendly to they just want to talk about design because they're passionate about it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, certainly, there's exceptions to that, um, <laughs> because 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 design is so small. I think your yeah. reputation precedes you, exactly, and yeah. sometimes outpaces you. So, yeah. I, I think people are are generally nice that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe just to start off, what experiences in your life um, really shaped you and created the designer that you are today, and really, you know, made you want to start something in the community? Wow, that's that's a big question. Um, so I'm from Jamaica. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you if you knew that. Um, not everyone does because I speak with an American accent. But um, I think I think my upbringing, for one, my my parents and just where I was. You know, I grew up in a time born in 1982. Mm. Didn't really have smartphones and all these like distractions so creativity was just a part of our lives like that's that's mm -hmm. how we entertained ourselves you know with very little so um my formative years i think were influential that way uh interestingly enough there were times when my brother and i would get in trouble because he he's of a similar mind he actually went into civil engineering but uh, we were curious enough to take things apart, mm. put them back together. And I remember one time in particular where we got in so much trouble because we burned a hole in the carpet. We weren't supposed to be doing that, right? We had taken apart some radio and we we're making some electrical contraption. Um, but that I, I would say that that was one uh, time of my life that was was certainly influential. Mm. And I think I think really that that was probably the foundation of just this yearning for creativity or curiosity about it. Mm. My father as well, he, at the time he was, he was in business, but his background was in chemistry and botany mm. and in his spare time he would paint. And so I have memories when I was, when I was a child, when I was younger, he would sit on the veranda and do oil paintings. And I, I always found that fascinating. I wanted to be, good at visual communication i just didn't know what to do with it so mm -hmm. uh those are two experiences that come to mind certainly there's more along the way but mm -hmm. uh those those two in particular come to mind yeah i had a, I've, I've read your book i the um exploring perspective one. Oh, yeah oh I, awesome I thank you <laughs> yeah really nice really good book I, I liked how authentic it was like it was just it was just like a a book saying you know we start here we're gonna get there like no one's a professional you know in one day kind of thing because I feel like with sketching, like sketching is in my eyes, the, you know, the pinnacle of this, where most people believe that it's just this skill that everyone has that no one can really ever work towards getting. It's just this, you know, like you have it or you don't kind of thing. Um, but I like how your book kind of represented that, you know, that necessarily isn't the case. And if you work hard at anything, you can get there. 
Yeah, I mean, for for some people, some things will be harder, yeah, right? Yeah, but I, I'm a big believer, like, if you just believe in yourself and mm. work really hard, you can achieve at least some level of competency, yeah. if not mastery of any given skill mm. or ability, if you're willing to put in the work, for sure. Mm. Yeah, and that's, that's the ultimate thing, commitment. I suppose with design, it's such a competitive field, and that kind of um, bleeds into a lot of other areas of design that you have to be pretty determined to get somewhere. It is. It is. Abs I mean, <laughs> design can be savage, but mm. also, like you said, so kind and accommodating and, mm. and open at the same time. If anything, I think our biggest competition tends to be ourselves. Yeah, um, definitely. When we talk about design being a competitive field, really, it's, I think, certainly we, we compare <laughs> ourselves mm. and our achievements to others. I, I'm one of those people who believes that comparison, however, is a thief of joy. And the mm. joy we find in ourselves when we we push ourselves to do more, be more, is supremely satisfying. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And that sometimes um, criticizing ourselves really limits our overall ability. And like kind of getting past that barrier is, I suppose, one of the lessons that you have to learn early on if you want to succeed. Because like... Yeah, I Especially when you're at uni, I mean, it's the first lesson. You're self-critical of yourself compared to your peers. And then it just, if you don't kind of work past that, you just move that into, into industry practice. Yeah, as part of Offsite, I teach a class called Design Discourse. <clears throat> I believe you had Hector on before yeah, from Advanced good. Design. And uh, one of the lessons we talk about critique and criticism and the difference, mm. right? And mm. criticism really is just to, to tear down. And you don't want to tear down yourself, but mm. rather look at opportunities for improvement because mm. all of us because we're human are gonna fail right i used to have a uh very pronounced fear of failure i did i mean i remember when i put my stuff out on the internet and i was just bracing myself uh people are gonna hate this you know i didn't want to fail but at the same time i've learned over the years through various experiences that failure is a chance to learn mm. and if you if you try to live a life where you're not willing to critique yourself or see yourself um, and take that head on, you're just going to kind of be, you're not, you're not really going to grow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so I, I do appreciate the thought there regarding critique, self-critique, mm. but would caution, I yeah. guess, if any young designers were listening, don't be too hard on yourself. Mm. Um, but uh, it's okay to examine yourself and, and where you're at for sure. Mm. I suppose it's hard as well, because we're in, as designers, we're inherently critical, not even of ourselves but of everything. Like that mm -hmm. is kind of what we have to do. We have to be critical of the things around us so that we could see design improvement and design solutions. You know, my girlfriend always complains like that. I'm too critical of like the environment around me, but it's not that I'm critical. I'm just, you know, I always see potential and improvement. You know what I mean? Yes. Potential improvements, um, opportunities, or as I call them, proportunities, problems and opportunities sure. at the same time, you know, when, when I, when it comes to critique for me, one thing I try to hold myself to a standard, if you will, mm. is to not be lazy with it and just say, yeah. I don't like it, <laughs> especially, especially because to an outsider, you know, you've mentioned your girlfriend a few times. Mm. I have friends who uh, see me do the things I do and mm. they don't really understand mm. what we might be thinking as designers. So I try to qualify any critique I offer. Hey, this is a poor execution of whatever principle or mm. um, symmetry or balance, whatever. And here's why rather than just saying, ah, I don't like it. Yeah. You know, it's good to have a something to back up your criticism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. Um, definitely, definitely something that that is a game changer as a designer. It's like 
we learn all these hard skills by hard skills. I mean like sketching or CAD or uh, might be a certain piece of software, but there's the other side to it, which is how do you communicate? How do you interact with people? How do you um, market yourself or uh, push your idea in a way that allows other people to understand what you are trying to achieve and the value that you're offering. Mm. That comes down to the value of storytelling as well and being a good storyteller. You know, it's yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. I've I feel as though I so I just turned forty last year and I've kind of been seeing the world with fresh eyes almost. Um I don't know if it's just part of the human experience, but one of the things I have been thinking a lot about is the currency of story mm. and how I mean, even you go into an interview, you sit down, you're showing your portfolio, mm. you're trying to get someone to buy into the story of you and mm. what you have to offer as much as they're listening to the story and they're, they're also trying to interpret what you're saying and creating their own story. There's so much of that, mm. um, in our, in our own human experience when you, and when you really think about it, so much of life really comes down to stories and storytelling, mm. right? Yeah. Being an effective storyteller. Yeah. It's, it, we really have to perceive kind of promote that narrative that we're wanting to put out. And I suppose what I found early on in my um, time out of uni is that, like my portfolio wasn't necessarily presenting a narrative, which I think is something that you maybe develop over time, but something that I wasn't really aware of when I was in university, the need mm -hmm. to have a narrative in the projects that you convey, like what is the story that you're trying to tell by each project? Yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, you know, explicit or overt, mm -hmm. the story you tell, yeah. but certainly uh, the, the products you show, the skills you show, mm -hmm. um, your explanation should at least form some cohesive narrative about yourself implicitly yep. uh, and inherently with regards to how you present. Mm. Lemonouche. In case you haven't heard of them, they're a design organization that helps educate designers all around the world so they can stay up to date with the latest software needs so that they can be competitive in this overly competitive design landscape. Full disclosure, I was provided this software free of charge to give my honest, unbiased review of the product. Personally, I found this course very beneficial. Before the course started, I had absolutely no knowledge of Rhino. I'd never opened the software before. I went from that to having a good grasp of the fundamental skills of Rhino and moving on to the more complex skills towards the end of my experience with Lemonouche. Currently, I've just passed the first major portion of the course and I've already a solid grasp on the software. The course walks you through the basic tools, then slowly progresses you onto the more complex tool, tool set of Rhino. My only critique would be that the tutorials are using macOS, and personally I use Windows, which initially was somewhat confusing as there are differences between the macOS version of Rhino versus the Windows version, um, but I contacted the Lemonouche support and they were very helpful and got me back on track and I haven't had any issues since. In the Rhino course, you will start modeling a basic mocha pot, then moving on to fully modeling the Nintendo Switch. Next, modeling the Bang & Olufsen Bayo Play Speaker, a Google concept, and finally, using the new Sub-D tools to model a pair of sunglasses. This comprehensive course is a good step forward in your Rhino learning experience and has given me the tools to work on some, some key projects that I was looking to move on to once I learned Rhino. Lemanouche also offers a range of other courses for software such as Keyshot, Grasshopper, Photoshop for industrial designers, and much more. If you're interested, check out the affiliate link in the description and a small portion will go back to me um, to help fund the podcast and bring it to the next level. Thank you. Now back to the podcast. 
Well, yeah, maybe to move on from that, um, what started offside? Oh, not offside. What started um, <laughs> Sketch a Day? And oh man, what were the yeah? What were the like? Why did you decide on this crazy idea of creating a YouTube channel? We're gonna go way back. So go we got to go back to two thousand seven, two thousand eight, something cool. like that. I was working at Astro Studios mm. at the time in San Francisco. It was my first job out of college. I had interned there. And I also uh, helped my best friend at the time get a job. And so he was sitting in front of me. And I remember one day we were taking like a lunch break or something. I don't know. Maybe I got distracted with the internet. And I, mm. I saw some sketch demonstration on YouTube. Someone had put together a video. And it was just horrible, <laughs> just like the probably one of the worst examples of how to draw a car I'd ever seen. Yeah. Not that at the time, at the time, I, I mean, I was still learning. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I don't want to come across as totally condescending. I just saw an opportunity there because even uh, less than a year out of college, I thought, wow, hey, John, his name was John. Hey, John, we can do better than this. We can, yeah. we can certainly do better than this. And so we decided to give it a shot. But the conversation started with, hey, maybe we should just make some videos and put out there. And then we thought, well, let's get a, an actual YouTube channel or Vimeo channel. I think Vimeo is what we we're using at the time. And then we thought, let's start a blog. And eventually it became, well, let's make a website. Mm. I did not even know WordPress existed at the time, but it did. So I embark on this journey to learn. And I'd done some HTML coding and PHP and a little bit of SQL um stuff because i dabbled in computer science as well so went ahead and build probably the least secure cms anyone could ever build and i put it up as sketch a day at the time or no id sketching that was the first one Mm. at the time unfortunately i lost that domain because it it lapsed but um id sketching was the website so started that and the interest was so insane that we had to take the website down Mm. because it just kept crashing Right. I, again, I just built my own yeah. uh, content management, management system. So I, I wasn't prepared, prepared for any sort of load balancing or anything like that. Eventually discovered WordPress, rebuilt it as ID sketching and ran that blog for, um, I think maybe about two years at the time, mm. two, or, two or three years. When we launched that, we would do video demos and have guest uh, artists as well, or designers. Michael DeTulo is one of them. And um, I had had another friend of mine, Josh, at the time that I'd interned with a GM. He was contributing as well. And I think Jeff Smith. As a part of it, however, I wanted to, you know, a curious thing happens when you leave school. And frankly, even as an independent designer, which I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. it's easy to let your skills slip. Mm-hmm. And so you have to hold yourself to a standard of consistent practice. So that's where the idea of Sketch a Day came from. And it was a feature on the ID Sketching website. So it was like a mini blog. Mm-hmm. And I would just post a drawing without context, concern, um, or any sort of, I guess, project brief. I just wanted to draw. So mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. And it's, for me, it's an important part of how I communicate as a designer. In fact, as we're waiting to waiting to begin, I was sketching on a project that I've been been thinking of for a while. So I wanted to maintain that, start as a feature, and then eventually decided, you know what, let's let's spin this off into its own website. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly because I wanted some IP separation from the main property and a space where I could just do what I wanted to do. And so Sketch a Day was born as another website <laughs> where I was just posting images. And then came Instagram. Mm. You know, 
man, I sound old. Then came Instagram. I was like, ah, this is a lot easier than me posting to a website. So then I started Instagram and that blew up. Mm. Um, and then, you know, kind of over the years dabbled, uh, well, I'll say over the years, ID sketching kind of tapered off and then sketch a day was growing. And mm. I also wanted to be able to do things that weren't necessarily specifically industrial design sketching. Mm. Right. So that was, yeah. So that was part of the reason for sketch a day. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. So then start up the YouTube thing and that's led to tons of opportunities, met amazing people, travel the world, mm. uh, been able to kind of share that skill with everyone, but above all else and all these details, I told you the main reason we did it. And I did it frankly was where I went to school. I, we were kind of isolated in the mm. intermountain West, um, here in Utah. <clears throat> and so we didn't, man, this is, <laughs> this is taking me back. The only like real resources we had were a website called product design forums. You had core 77 forums. And then there was the Noman Noman workshop and Scott Robertson also had, uh, his website drawthrough.com, which is, I think is still active. And there are a couple other people out there, Feng Zhu and so forth. So I wasn't, I, there wasn't like a steady flow stream of, of, uh, fresh content that we could consume as students and learn because a lot of us were hungry. You talk about mm. how competitive design is. Design education is even more competitive because you're you're jockeying for internships and opportunities and you want to shine, right? So we didn't have that. And when I graduated and recognizing what I went through, just trying to work, work, hard right mm. i wanted to give back so it's always been about giving back mm. um i do make make a living doing it now but back then it was it was really just about heart and love and it still is you know it still is that's that's awesome it's really nice to hear the story like obviously i'm very early on in my you know content creation journey but it's nice to hear yeah. how like it always starts off at hundred i mean i'm i'm in the same boat i suppose as you were back then like i'm not doing it for money i'm just doing it for you know my own satisfaction and just meeting people around the world. And it's been great from that standpoint. Um, I, I will, t I will tell you a little secret though. <laughs> I haven't told a lot of people this when, when I did start ID sketching and sketch a day, even though I wasn't, you know, charging for content or access or anything like that. And I still don't, I mean, I do produce resources that people purchase and, you know, I have a book now. A book, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought, I remember thinking to myself, one day this will pay off and it won't be, but not in terms of money. Right. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking I could reach and touch a lot of people and maybe somehow things might come of that. And it's been like, cool to see here we are. Uh, will that be 13 years now? Something like that. Yeah. 13 years or so later. Um, it's happened. You know, mm. it's kind of a cool feeling. So to your point, doing it for the right reason, doing it for love or mm. passion or whatever, I think that's going to take you, not that you asked, but it's going to pay off eventually. Yeah. Right. As long as your heart's in the right place and people know you're, you're being genuine. And mm. I've, I've learned a lot in the process. Mm. Um, I've grown a lot as a person, um, had some low points and, and high points, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been cool to see, I guess that, thought that i had come to fruition yeah it's always very satisfying when something like that happens in your life when you really commit yourself to something with no 
you know, foreseeable outcome and then, you know, the positive outcome does happen. I feel like that's when you find the most, most satisfaction in life. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier when you're younger. I mean, when you held up the book, right? Mm. <laughs> I always wanted to write a book. Mm. Probably it's been at least 10 years. Probably when the blog started taking off and stuff, mm. the website. And this is related to what we're talking about, where you never know what opportunities might come up, especially in your youth, as you're mm. doing something you're passionate about. So I met someone, this is a very complicated story, but stick with me. So I met someone at Autodesk University uh, forever ago. This would have been probably 2010, so mm. maybe 13 uh, let's say 10 to 13 years ago still a friend today and met her and a couple other people met the people behind sketchbook pro a popular product right <laughs> met a few artists actually at that conference daniel simon was there and uh scott robertson both both uh talented people mm. um yeah maybe I'll, t- I'll tell you a little side of this um offline maybe but i digress okay so back then met this person and maintain friendship she moves on to adobe and reaches out to me one day and is like hey do you want to um do some content for adobe mm. stream and i'm like yes i'll do it of course and at this point i just left my full-time job and so you know it was nice to have some extra work to kind of um keep things afloat shall mm. we say so i took that and started doing content for adobe on a regular basis eventually uh they invited me to do Adobe Max. So I did that um, for two years. The second year I did that, my current publisher, Rocky Nook Books, decided or saw me <laughs> presenting and they reached out. I mean, they did some research on the back end and then they reached out like, hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? I'm like, yeah, I've been wanting to for you know this long. And so that's how I tell the story to to hopefully share with the listeners that The small things we do, the opportunities we take, the good we put out into the world, Mm. it may not come back immediately, but had I not decided to share my passion, build a website, be consistent, and be kind, like we were Mm. talking about at the beginning, um, none of this would have happened. I wouldn't even Mm. be here doing what I'm doing. So don't don't underestimate the small things you do now because they they can turn into big things later. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think sometimes people can get lost in immediate satisfaction and, you know, wanting that immediate, you know, sometimes release of serotonin from getting some success. But sometimes, you know, you're not going to get that and you have to really persist past that if you want to succeed. I have so many stories. I want to tell another one because <laughs> you bring up an interesting point. So, you know, you talk about uh, immediate satisfaction or gratification, right? So I'm looking at a product right now in my studio here that i designed um so the person i started id sketching with we and sketch today we left astro started our own company got a client client is like hey we have this idea for this product it's going to change the world and it's it's this distributed data storage product right i don't know i don't know if i'd say change the world um the founder was uh certainly one to uh put on a show and and uh you know captivate people through his storytelling so he was he was a good storyteller so (laughs) as a business owner at the time you are faced with the decision okay how am i going to build this project Mm. 
for us, you know, we both started uh, families at the time, young families. We were like, oh, we just need the money. We just need the money. I think I think the project was about at the time maybe thirty five grand or something like that, maybe fifty. And you know, at the we we're just starting out and fresh out of school, maybe two three years. We're thinking, oh, this is good. Mind you, this is like two thousand nine money, so a project like this would be way different. Yeah. Um, but we saw dollar signs and we took that. Now, fast forward several years later, company gets acquired um, by a, another private company and the regret sets in. I was too hungry in the moment for that thing. And I couldn't wait because the founder had offered us at the time, hey, you, we can do cash or we can do equity, mm. right? And I said, I remember we both said, no, let's just take the cash. because. Mm. I mean, part of that's risky. You don't know if the company is going to succeed. You don't know if they're not. And then you do a bunch of free work and whatnot. But, yeah. dude, if I had, <laughs> I would have so much money right now. It's crazy. But I'm not, I'm not mad or salty about it. It's just, it's just one of those stories in life that reminds me, mm-hmm. like you said, um, it's not always about like getting that gratification in the moment, but sometimes mm-hmm. you got to be a little strategic and, and have some foresight. Uh, mm-hmm. And that that will pay off. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you list yourself as a UX slash UI slash ID <laughs> designer, um, multidisciplinary. You know these fancy terms these days. Um, you know, I do practice regularly in different fields. Or do you focus more on ID? Um, and would you recommend that people kind of follow that multidisciplinary path? You know, the last the last few years have been a journey for me. I'm not sure if I have UI there, but um, UX for exactly. sure, certainly. In any case, uh, the last few years have been a journey for me. Um, but on, on a bit of a personal note, I've always been this multi-direction, multi-curiosity uh, interest person. Mm-hmm. Always. Like, I I kind of settled on this idea that I just love to learn. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know what it is about age 40, but your body changes, your mind changes, things change. And I, a few months ago, started feeling stuck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, something is wrong with me. I don't know what's going on. I don't have the same uh, drive. And and this is an answer to your question, don't worry. But went in actually to my doctor and I was like, hey, I, I don't know what's going on. I think, and I had done some reading and my sister actually had mentioned this to me. She said, you might have ADHD. I was like, I don't, I don't think so. I just, I just, you know, I'm just thinking I have a terrible memory and I, I miss things. I know trying to schedule this show, like I missed a few things. Turns out, you know, went ahead and got some uh, psychological testing and yeah, I do have ADHD. So I have always been multi-potentiate, multi-interested, multi-curious. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to put myself into a box mm-hmm. <laughs> because I love to play outside the box. That's, that's who I am. So yeah, I, I dabble in UX. Um, I would say most of my work is ID or illustration related. Mm. Um, education as I get older is a bigger and bigger part of what I do. And I've also played outside the box um, in that regard because I'm not a traditional educator. Mm. I've had opportunities to do that, but you know, decided to kind of, again, play outside the box. So um, I've just always been a bit all over the place. It's really hard for me to say I am this or I'm that. So. Lately, I've settled on <laughs> creative troublemaker or just creative because I don't I don't think I'm just an industrial designer. I don't think I'm 
just concerned with UX. I don't think I'm just an illustrator or just an educator. I do a lot of things. Mm. So I'm Spencer. I don't I don't know where to put me, but <laughs> I just I've just always loved doing a lot of things. I think that's an easy path to go down as an, <laughs> as a designer as well. Like because we're inherently if we if we're interested in something that is as broad as industrial design, I feel like moving into other you know potential disciplines isn't much of a stretch. And I think a lot of people kind of you know find interest in that. Like even me personally, I mean, I do out of my current role, I do a bit of more graphic design as well as like industrial design, and like I'm looking to move into UX design as well because you know as I'm kind of like you, I suppose. Learning more is just more fun the way I see it. And like, why wouldn't I want to learn more? I I do think if you're if you are the type of person who's going to uh, dabble in a lot of things, I think self awareness is yeah. key because otherwise you find you you might put yourself in a corner. You know, yeah. you mentioned gra- graphic design, right? You're doing that mm-hmm. as part of part of your work. I'm competent, but I'm not. Uh, well, maybe capable and oh, capable or competent, whatever. But I'm not like I don't have the sharp skills in that yeah. field. So I I know my own limitations is what I'm trying to say. You have to know yeah. your limitations and. Yeah. Um, I think you, you can know, kind of get stuck becoming a bit of like a jack of all trades master of none as well, which I found like mm-hmm. at uni, I was like, I want to learn new software packages every week so I can like have all these skills. But, you know, you can kind of get stuck in a trap of, of diversifying yourself too much and then you become yes. not, not particularly good at anything. <laughs> so I, I still have a to-do item, learn Blender. <laughs> still, <laughs> I still want to dabble. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, one of these days I'll have time. I, I tend to describe my life as littered with artifacts of my best intentions. So whether it's a tool or uh, an app or something, it's just like, I'm going to get the thing and I'm going to work on it. I don't, I don't get to everything. And you make a good point that if you don't master something, if you're, if you're not competent in something, um, you, you may get known for nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. In my case, it's interesting because I, and you know we kind of opened the conversation here about sketch day and drawing and and all that that has been the vehicle for creating awareness and marketing for myself my skills mm-hmm. my abilities and it's been great it's been great and sometimes i do wish i showed other sides of myself but again it's it's a matter of being pragmatic and knowing knowing my role or or mm-hmm. my my lane so to speak <laughs> and uh kind of stick in there Hmm. Yeah. Working hard at what you know you do well best kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. That's good. Um, We spoke about offsite briefly. You know, I'm mm-hmm. very interested by it. I think it's you know something very beneficial in the current world of industrial design. I think maybe it could, it, you know, maybe it's a stretch, but I think maybe it could even revolutionize what we call education, that kind of style of education in the coming years, uh, especially for industrial design, something that I don't think you really need a degree for. I think you could probably, if you have the skills, you could do the job, if you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, like what what kind of, what, what brought you down that path? And like, are you passionate about that kind of future for education as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's another fantastic question. So this all kind of began before the pandemic. Uh, I don't know if Hector gave you his backstory or not, but yeah, gave um, backstory, yeah. we had, we had been talking behind the scenes about maybe doing some sort of experimental camp or experience or intensive in a physical location mm. with students who might be interested in working with professionals. And all of a sudden the world <laughs> caught fire with COVID. Yeah. Everyone is stuck at home. And, you know, I got to give it to Hector. He had the foresight to say, let's just do it. Let's launch. Mm -hmm. And I, I, sometimes I tend to be cautious with these things, but I just ran with it. 
And so we decided to create this 12 week online experience and kind of created a, a patchwork of technologies and platforms that we would use to communicate, build community, mm. um, have opportunities for ideas and cross pollination of those ideas. And we built offsite. Mm. So there's, uh, well, started with one cohort uh, or one section rather. And <clears throat> pardon me, we'd have six instructors covering a range of topics. And I'm one of those instructors. And Hector asked me to teach design discourse, not sketching, mm. <laughs> which is always fun when the students join and they're like, what, you're not teaching drawing? No. Um, we're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about design and philosophy and communication and problem solving. But maybe I'll draw some stuff along the way, you know. So it's been really fun. And as far as revolutionizing education, I think one word that comes to mind for me with offsite is essentialism. <laughs> and that is to say, we try not to teach things that won't get you there. I don't want to say things that are useless, but you know, you've been through uni, you know, not everything matters as much as other things. And so we try to just get to the meat of uh, what it means to be a good designer. What are the skills, the things you need to know? Um, and particularly, how how can you f or how can we help you find an edge that helps make you distinct mm. as a designer again going back to this idea of telling a story about yourself and that's that's a part of the the course as well through a class called professional self-presentation it's a weird name but it's about portfolio building and mm. narrative storytelling and marketing yourself those are things that you may not be necessarily taught in school, mm. but they are things that we have learned as instructors over the de combined decades of experience that we've have. Mm. You know, I think the concept of offside is just great. Like it's when you think about it, what student wouldn't want to be taught by like very key prominent designers in the world, you know, like sometimes I suppose a criticism of current education is that, you know, maybe some of the teachers don't even pursue the career anymore and they kind of just go down an academic field, which, has its own benefits. Um, you know, you you learn a lot of um, theoretical knowledge that maybe even practicing designers might not have. And sometimes mm -hmm. that can be beneficial. But at the same time, having those people that they've actually got the job and they've worked hard in that industry, I think that can be really beneficial to learn from these people as a mentor. Yeah. I, one thing you do learn, or I'd learned, I should say, as a professional is it's nice to, it's nice to fly in the clouds as far mm -hmm. as ideas go and uh kind of mess around with the design or mm. explore solutions but at some point you have to land that plane right you have to build the runway and make sure air traffic controls there and check all your systems and land that plane safely mm. right and it may feel like even building the airport as you're trying to land mm. that plane but those are skills you learn in the real world and skills that i think matter so when it comes to education yeah we try to bring that into the course or courses mm. and one thing i do appreciate and love about the classes it's as much of an educational experience for the participants as it is for us as instructors yeah. we get to as professional designers stay even sharper because we're dealing with the up-and-coming new energy perspective mm. and it's fun to have myself be challenged and not get stuck in my old ways, right? Mm. There are times where I kind of have to hand back and be like, okay, 
what do I really think about this? You know, especially when it comes to like some unique aesthetic or just a different take or angle. So mm. there, there's that aspect. But uh, well, one last thing here is that the offsite group tends to be made up of an international uh, cohort of students. Mm. So we have quite a few students right now from India, the African continent, South America, uh, the United States, Europe, um, countries all over. And so you get this diversity of opinion or not opinion, perspective and experience being brought into the classes and particularly mine where I'm taught, we're, we're, we start off examining reality and truth. And it sounds weird, but it's really about critical thinking mm. and applying that to your own design philosophy, for example, or your own design practice, considering your impact as a designer in a, in a very real and tangible way. Uh, one of the fun assignments I give the students is to either document every piece of trash that they take out for a week or go visit a landfill because our proximity to problems and situations oftentimes impact how we feel. And so if we can, if we can help prepare designers to be uh, more mindful, more empathetic, or more skilled in particular areas, we, we do believe as, uh, at Offsite that we are changing the game, so to speak, as opposed to kind of template, templatizing the educational experience and offering that to everyone. Mm. The courses are dynamic. Sometimes we change week to week. We try to have the courses overlap um, where assignments uh, might have overlap with others so that we're not overloading the students, but also so that they can apply the varied skills that they learn in 12 weeks mm. in a in a very strong way um, to help boost their portfolio and so far it's been successful we've had some good placements with students um at a variety of com companies so it's been mm. good and that's i mean that's the ultimate thing i suppose i think sometimes with universities maybe gets lost um but the end goal is getting the job right and like we, that's the, they're the skills you need to learn like what skills are actually going to help you get a job um in yeah the, you may in the classic sense you mentioned anyone can do industrial design if you have the skills. We actually have, we've had a couple experiences with students who have switched career paths. Mm. Um, some a bit more adjacent to industrial design, but others that are just completely orthogonal and they've gotten jobs mm. after doing offsite, you know, not because the 12 week experience was magical so much as they became a part of our family and community. Mm. Um, a big part of the program, it sounds like I'm pitching it now, but a big part of the program that I love is the mentorship mm. aspect. And so we have, right now we have two cohorts. So there's one called breaking into design and then the other one's leveling up. Yep. So the professional, the second cohort leveling up, they have access to professionals who have graceful, graciously offered their time and uh, skills right in the form of mentorship to these students and that's huge because mm -hmm. again like myself when i started sketch a day and id sketching thinking ah i wish i had this when i was a student mm. offsite's kind of like that where yeah. we're quite i mean you don't get that in college where you have 60 professionals <laughs> working with students to help them sharpen their portfolios or mm. talk through problems or issues that they may be having like it's it's really cool not only to see us as a team working to educate these students but the community you talk about kindness yeah. and how willing the design community is to help younger designers and this is just one i think stellar example of how 
they've really come through and helped. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of paying it forward, we have the students who went through, um, and typically they're a little bit more experienced, the students that go through the second section of our course offering, they have the opportunity to mentor those who are trying to break into industrial design. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of kind of this virtuous system, if you will, that we've mm. we've kind of put together. And I think in doing good and approaching things with heart, that that really does make a difference. And because we are small and you know not beholden by certain uh, what shall we say requirements, we mm-hmm. can be flexible. Yeah. We talk about disrupting education. Part of that is being nimble, being able mm. to adapt, and certainly cost-wise being much more much more uh Mm. affordable than some traditional avenues yeah yeah i think university in some ways is really limited like it's not even necessarily that they're not doing a good job of what they're doing like i think university can be really beneficial and i i've really enjoyed my time at university and i think that i got a lot out of it um but i think as you're saying it's not as flexible like they get limited by you know the needs of the of the government to kind of dictate what need what is taught at university um you know high overheads of the land and the teachers like the, because it's in person there's just so many overheads that kind of limit the capabilities of the university in the end um and then they like rely on international students which means they have to market it towards that and you know yeah i think having a modern course like offside i suppose you kind of lose a lot of those limitations and you can really push just a good quality education out the other thing I should point out here <clears throat> that I think we we decided to do differently mm. at at the beginning of all this was to have live classes. So I forgot to mention that, but every class we have is live, meaning mm. these students from all over the world, we're all meeting at the same time yep. and having discussions or learning content. I also teach a class on uh, Autodesk Fusion 360 as well. Well, not specifically Fusion, but it's called Digital Tools, and it's mm. it's just about the digital tools we use as industrial designers. But the two we focus on are just Adobe Creative Suite and then or Creative Cloud and uh, Fusion, so that the students have an opportunity to present their concepts in a somewhat compelling way, but yep. also bring those concepts to life mm. in some tangible ways as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, who would you recommend Offsite to? You kind of mentioned that... Um, you know, you've got your two, you've got your two courses. You've got the uh, starting out for people not in design and leveling yeah, up, breaking into design, breaking yep. design. and then leveling um, up. But like, what kind of specific person would you recommend it to that you think gets the most out of that kind of course? So I would say for the breaking into design, someone who is even just curious about design, I wouldn't recommend it to students who have a lot of experience, say in college. Like, so let's say you're a third year student in university. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think the first course offering we have is is really for you that's where we're focusing on basic sketching we have the digital tools course um i think it's just see i'm i'm forgetting the name of this one but there's there's one called uh i believe it is design workflow or something like that where we're just basically talking about the design process how do you design yeah. something and then there's another course that likely touches on some cmf right materiality yeah. I, I believe and then the second cohort that we offer we have design discourse that's the one i teach um and i'll tell you who those those are all for design discourse uh, design for manufacturing the business of design professional self-presentation studio workflow which is more or less um advanced cad and advanced visualization using keyshot and other tools and then 
uh, real world sketching. So it's not so much sketching to sketch as it is sketching to communicate, mm. right? At a, at a high fidelity, um, what you might expect in a real work situation. So the difference being the expectation for cohort two, the leveling up cohort is for those who have at least some basic competency um, or familiarity with the tools and processes that we use in design. We're just adding to that and adding perspective and our experience to those things. Breaking into design is more about what industrial design is and why we do the things we do or why is it important to sketch a certain way and uh, how do you go from a sketch to a concept to potentially prototyping that uh, product as well. And that cohort is one we're constantly working with. We're trying to find the sweet spot there. Um, we've had high school students take the course. We've had people who work at venture capital firms who are familiar with industrial design, but they want to learn more about what we do. We've had uh, some students in university who just want to sharpen up those fundamental skills as well. But as I mentioned, we started this in the pandemic and we even experimented once teaching a prototyping course like mm, hands-on prototyping with uh, foam and foam core i taught that one as well yeah. uh, talk about challenging teaching <laughs> prototyping at a distance right but yeah. one of the students who recently placed at a job she's working at target um corporate now as an industrial designer she went through that course and it was it was rough <laughs> um i won't say her name here hi amelia just kidding um <laughs> But uh, she she worked so hard. Like she was one of those students that um, was memorable just for how dedicated she was at like sharpening her skills. So there's my long answer to your question. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the second is just more about being a an even better designer, and the first is how to be a designer. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna. I was talking last time I spoke to Hector. He inspired me, and I was like, oh, maybe I should do offsite. And then like life <laughs> got in the way. But you know, yeah. who knows? Maybe one day if I. I feel like with full-time work, it is hard to balance it, especially in Australia. With it the is. Yeah. We have we have students who, you know, they're up at three in the morning yeah. when I'm teaching. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> but they love it that much, right? Yeah. And it, it's made a difference for them. Hmm. Um, we did have a student from Australia, uh, hmm. come to think of it, Foster, I think was his name. Yeah, I think I spoke um, to Hector. Oh, you told me to reach out to, I think it was Foster, yeah. And I spoke to yeah, him. Yeah, Foster. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, for someone like you with with experience, I think it still helps. Um, some of it may apply, some of it may not apply. Um, we're still trying to figure out ways to perhaps even go a little bit more a la carte. So if you want to, let's say the type of design you do, you haven't had as much manufacturing experience on the ground in another country, working with suppliers and um, doing quality checks or whatever, there's a class for that. Or maybe you want to sharpen up your business sketching skills, right? Um, your storytelling sketches or sketches that explain a product. Um, you might take real world sketching, that kind of thing. Mm. But right now, as right now as it is, we do offer all six together. Oh, cool. Um, what, what to talk about next? We've, we've covered so many topics already. Um, as we move into challenging, you know, economic times post pandemic, um, what do you think designers should do to diversify themselves and stay competitive in this landscape? Oh, that's a good one. I think especially maybe it's not even so much post pandemic as it is the <laughs> 
technological revolution we're living mm. through right now. You know, I remember when NFTs came out and everyone was like, this is going to be the future. You know, that died out. But this AI thing, this uh, lar uh, LLM, large language models um, that have been developed, things like ChatGPT, mm. um, you've got Midjourney, Dolly, that kind of thing, mm. particularly as it relates to design. You know, none of these tools are really purpose built for design. Mm. We have designers trying to use them. Uh, there is one interesting tool called viscom.ai. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it or mm -hmm. seen it, but that one is, man, <laughs> as someone who's been like honing my sketching skills mm -hmm. and working hard, I see that and I'm like, oh, really? Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was my edge. So to answer your question, I don't think it's so much about the challenging economics. I mean, that's certainly a factor, but I think the the advice that i've i've always given i think still stands and that is mm. to find that unique thing about yourself mm. and like really work on that mm. <laughs> you got to figure out a way to differentiate yourself from the pack the field um i don't think these are tools by the way the ai tools i don't think they're tools that we should avoid mm. or um talk down about or anything like that because they can be useful Right, mm. if used in the right way and there are companies um that are working on ways to put designers in the the driver's seat so to speak and that's where i think it's interesting companies like like viscom and what they're doing um but as far as as far as the economics go yes i don't i don't want to gloss over that and say that it's not rough i've been through one recession mm. that was uh 2008 2009 mm. lost my job at astro right and that was that was rough <laughs> you know i just got my dream job and you lose it and one thing we learned in that experience me and my uh, business partner john was just hard work and i suppose many of you have heard that advice before work hard work hard but really truly mm. keep moving do something mm. even if it means doing your own projects your own products your own explorations your own research whatever you got to do um keep doing it and also because things are more challenging it's even more imperative that as i mentioned you find that thing about you that makes you i i often say this and people don't believe me i'm not a great marketer <laughs> but i do put my work out there mm. and you know i'm not always the most consistent with it but it, it does pay off so i would say put your stuff out there um don't be shy don't be afraid to do that and be consistent work hard and it'll work out great advice thank you um what excites you the most about the future of industrial design you've already mentioned ai which is obviously a big hot topic at the moment um and i'm kind of in the same belief as you i think that it could be kind of that we control it we channel it into the right processes it doesn't necessarily take our jobs but you know what i mean we can we can kind of use it to our advantage um but yeah, what else are you really excited about for the coming years of industrial design? I, <laughs> I am deeply aware of and cognizant of how harmful what we do can be. And it's, it's something that haunts me, man. Mm -hmm. um, consumerism, like we make stuff better so more people want it. <laughs> and there's always this tension between business and design because, yeah, I want to do less harm. At the same time, business wants to sell more or do more, right? Mm -hmm. And finding that balance. So to answer your question, what excites me is 
I think this next generation of designers who are so passionate and so vocal that they will affect change. They will, I think they'll put on the right amount of pressure collectively that we'll start to see changes with the way, I mean, I say consumerism, there's always going to be needs for products that um, provide solutions to problems mm. or close the gaps and opportunities that, that may be there granted. But I think we can always do it better, do it gentler, do it more consciously um, in a way that's, that's more caring. Like, like I said, something magical happens at 40. I think where <laughs> you just start thinking about these things in a very kind of meta high level way. And looking back on my career, I've had, I've had hits and I've had misses and I've had um, small things and big things. And I like to think that right now my focus anyways is designed for mass appreciation. Mm. But going back to your question again, because my mind is wandering, I'm excited for technologies that do allow us to produce uh, products in a more conscientious and efficient way. Things like mass, um, mass market or mass produced 3D printing, mm. where the waste of that process is is more minimal than say something like you know apple is known for their their uh, cnc processes mm. and glass and all that and there's there's potentially a lot of waste there it's beautiful but there's a lot of waste so mm. i'm excited for an opportunity to strike a good balance between beauty and functionality while minimizing waste i hope that as a people i guess generally that we can become more conscious about these things and so that we're not um i mean this, this i don't know what the weather how the weather was in australia this year but uh, it was very strange where i live really? and okay. it's almost like the climate's changing i don't know it's, it's weird but uh <laughs> i'm starting to think i'm not starting to think i've always thought so but you know we we have a part to play in all this especially as designers mm -hmm. so i'm i'm optimistic and hopeful that the youth the mm -hmm. young people will will change things um technology enabling them to do so as well. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, people who maybe look down on industrial design in a way for just creating products that go to landfill or like creating another water bottle, you know what I mean? Um, but the thing is like, the, the, industrial design can be really amazing. Like we can really change the world. Like we can have such a positive impact on the world around us if done right. And I suppose that's where it comes down to you know, educating the young designers to have that kind of mindset and to take that passion and that longing for a better world into their practice. Mm. Yeah, I, I just, I'm so inspired by younger designers. I really am. I'm not just saying that. It's like, y'all are going to do some amazing things. You know, I think, I just think change is on the horizon and that to mm. me, that's really exciting. Mm. Yeah. Um. You know, there's always the oldest question, how does art and design, you know, interrelate? I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, people could say that your work is art. Um, you know, you, you definitely take a more visual approach to design um, with sketching and visualization. How do you see that interrelation between art and design and how can we kind of strengthen um, the artistic element of design? I think design, good design captures the imagination of people who experience it mm. and a good way to also capture the imagination of people and express yourself is through through sketching um the visuals the aesthetics and that's that's my i guess go-to chosen means of communicating ideas um i think bridging that gap though 
or the gap I'm thinking of in my head as far as good design and um, all that is it's just striking the right balance, finding that right balance. But it 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 does necessitate a bit of uh, capturing the imagination of your audience. Mm-hmm. I've just found that sketching has been for me just a very effective tool. Mm-hmm. Even as I mentioned, you have these tools that make it easy now to visualize a concept. There's still something just so captivating and alluring about something that's hand done, that's real, that mm-hmm. that effectively contains a part of the creator in that piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing. I did want to mention one more thing though with uh, younger designers, and that is the democratization of design. Maybe that's the wrong word. Perhaps it's the tearing down of the gates, <laughs> the gatekeeping. I feel like younger designers just don't play into all that. And there's going to be change where there's there's almost sometimes uh, an elitism Mm. with certain designers or design organizations that really could be done away with. Mm. Um, Particularly, you know, you, you asked a question about the future of industrial design as technology becomes easier to use because industrial designers or designers aren't the only one with good ideas. Mm. As we, as these technologies are developed <clears throat> that allow people to participate in the process in a more meaningful way, mm. I think we're gonna see more democratization. I think we're gonna see challenges to uh, the old guard, so to speak, um, and any sort of gatekeeping effort to uh, preserve whatever <clears throat> um, integrity they want industrial design to have as a practice. I mm. think I think it's going to become more open. And to your point earlier, education wise, like do you do you need to go through all that mm. really truly? Can we deliver on those essentials and and equip people with those tools to actually uh make the world a better place because that really should be the goal, make mm. people's lives better. The answer should be yes. It shouldn't be no, you have to go through this process or no, yeah. you have to do what I did or you're not a real designer. Yeah. Um to me, that's exciting and interesting as well. Mm. Yeah, it is really exciting. Yeah, I think um, what you're saying, like when you even think about tuition fees, like the concept, of the, especially in America, like tuition fees in America are insane. Like, I know, I know. Bad, but still. <laughs> it's a se- separate conversation, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But when you think about that, like, I don't know how much, like $100,000 to go to university in America, right? Roughly. Depends on where you go. Yeah. I know art, art center is expensive. Um, CCS in Detroit, uh, mm. CCA, yep. um, some of the bigger schools. Yeah, they're they're more expensive. I was fortunate, and I'm I'm one of those contrarians who doesn't believe that it's about the school you go to. Mm. Granted, had I gone to, and I actually had thought about going to Art Center at one point, and I looked at the tuition. I think at the time it was eighty thousand, and I said no way. <laughs> I I sure it would be a good experience, yeah. and I would meet a lot of pe- good people, and probably have leveled up in my skills tremendously, but. I thought to myself, well, if I apply myself and just grind, mm-hmm. I can be I can be good at this, is what I told myself. Mm-hmm. And you can be. So you don't have to pay this is where I was going. You don't have to pay the hundred thousand. Yeah. You can go to a smaller school like I did and yeah. end up graduating without any student debt. Yeah. So but like or my, you could or you could go to school in Australia and not have any student debt, right? Well, we have hex debt here, which is like where the government pays for it and we pay it back slowly. But oh okay. But there's no interest, but then it indexes, which is basically just interested with a fancy word for interest, which is stupid. Oh. Yeah. Gotcha. Because I didn't know that until the end. I was like, what is this indexing? That's yeah. Yeah. Anyway. 
Um, but yeah, my more point is like, so that hundred thousand dollars, let's say you did offsite instead, you paid like, what is it? $4,000. Um, uh, I think right now it's like three. Yeah. Yeah. You pay that money. You, you've got like, what, like $95,000 that you could be using on, you know, starting a company, starting a product. Design. Like, well, I mean, it, it is a crash course. Yeah. When I say crash course, I mean, it's 12 weeks. It's, yeah. it's not equivalent to the four years you might spend yeah. or three years in university, but we have had students take it multiple times. And even then, if you were to take it five times, that's still only $15,000 compared to your point, 100,000. Yeah, exactly. Um, what impact have you observed Sketch A Day has had on the wider community? <laughs> you know, this is an awkward question. I don't like to talk about myself that much, <laughs> at least, at least this particular accomplishment, because again, I went into it, not really like, I don't keep track of lives changed or touched or whatever. I, I do get messages from time to time for people, from people. Mm. And this will, this will be an amalgamation of um, feel goods, mm. if you will, <laughs> that I've gotten over the years, but it's everything from, you know, thanks for helping me get into my program. I wouldn't have gotten in if I, hadn't found your channel in high school and worked worked my ass off or hey thanks for helping me keep my job i've been working really hard at, at this particular skill um or it might even just be hey you're inspiring me to work harder or to focus on this or that and i've i've gotten those messages and that that feels good um as far as the broader community goes um <laughs> i don't know it's it's hard for me to say i i mean i do on a personal level, I do have some degree of notoriety, at least in this field. Um, and that's not to say like, that's the only impact, but it feel it, it does feel good. I'll, I'll put it this way. It feels good to, at the end of the day, have created something that I can leave behind after I die or go that will have a lasting impact or has had a lasting impact on people in terms of helping them pursue their passions more effectively. Um, I, I I rest easy thinking about that. Mm. And I mean, it fills in anything in life. Like legacy is all you really have. Like when you're, you know, in the, At ground, the end of the day, yep. what else have you got left apart from legacy, you know? And like, you, you know, you, you have a legacy. You can, you can say that you've, you know, contributed to the future generations of designers that come along um, that, you know, your, your effect is going to continue on to have an effect and they can, you it's, know, it's weird. Art. It's, it is weird to think. I, I do feel a little older now. <laughs> I feel like probably Scott Robertson felt like when I was going through college, I'm sure um, yeah. he's a friend of mine though, but um, yeah, it's, it's a strange feeling. Mm. It's a strange feeling, but you know, it's always, like I said, always been about passion and just doing what I love. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Well, on that note, I think that's a good way to leave it. You know, it was really nice to have you on to discuss. Thanks so much for coming on, for taking your time to come on this small up and coming podcast in Australia across the world, <laughs> you know, and, you know, bring something back. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. You know, I've never been to Australia. I've always wanted to go. Yeah, if I ever on. do, I will let you know. Yes. Yeah, Come meet up. I, um, I have starting to build a bit of a network in Australia, so I'm sure I could set you up with some contacts to come visit and I'm sure okay. everyone would be willing to meet up and yeah, talk about design. All right. That'll be fun. Awesome. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Okay. Thank you.